0: We'd like to thank our sponsor, SLC Guitar, for another sweet guitar riff. Welcome to another episode of Build with Breen Homes, where we talk all things construction, business management, and just have a good old time behind the microphone. Welcome back, listeners. We're glad you came back to listen, and we're going to go ahead and just jump right back in.
1: I remember that. I remember it being a kind of an uproar with the cities but with the construction with the builder environment it was a blessing yeah. more than anything yep. so yeah. and
0: i'll admit it's been positive i do believe that most cities and municipalities are trying they're doing a much better job with it the few fights that i've caused Mm-hmm. I like to cause fights and battles with cities. No way. Are you serious? <laughs> the huh. few times I've gone toe to toe, if I feel like I have a very good case, the city's come out and said, you're right. Here's your permit. So so the, the law literally writes, if the city does not have that response or that permit ready back to you in 14 days, you can demand a permit. And they have to give you that permit as if they've approved it. Wow you got to be hesitant when you do that mm-hmm. because you run into a situation of saying now am I going to fill it a lot more out in the field with yeah, inspections Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but the few cities that I've had to battle have come out given me a permit let me move on and it has not been a problem sure. you know, so I do believe they're trying and I do understand that the just like my industry the lack of ability the lack of hands the lack of employees to get the job the permits through and approved Mm -hmm. is hindering them as well so it's not like i'm looking at this of like just pump it through your system and get it out to me there's an individual that's going through those plans and getting us approval to move it through right they're overwhelmed too and more than one individual yeah and more than one so the state we've continued to hear complaints around different municipalities of that not happening faster and this last legislation went in with some wording saying Fine, if you can't abide by the law that's now in place, we're going to go extreme and say no permit review from a city aspect at all. So now I've gotten all my professionals to stamp the plans. My civil engineer, geotechnical engineer, architect, you know, contractor, whoever it is, all the licensed individuals, they're all stamped. They're all liable. They've all approved what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hand it to you, city. All you can do is charge me the impact fees and write me a permit, and I'm out the door. Yeah. Right? yeah. Cities don't want to do that. I get why, but it has gotten enough attention that they've said, fine, we'll work with you. And the state has now said, if they're not continuing to work with us, when I say the state, the state home builders association yeah. has stepped in and said, let us hear examples of the cities doing good. Are they doing bad? And they've gone back to contractors to say, submit us your case, your report. Let us understand where that issue is. And they haven't had a lot of contractors submitting that, that report, that case. And I, I had an interesting conversation with the uh, State Home Builders Association Executive Officer a few months back. And I said, the reason being is I don't believe the majority of contractors have their their stuff put together enough when they submit the packet that right. they submitted what they needed to submit. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. So then when I come back and I say, this is both ends of the spectrum, right? Yeah, yeah. A contractor goes in with a set of plans and says, here – and they haven't reviewed what they need to submit to the city. Exactly. And then yes. the city says, we're not going to accept it because yep. the minute I accept it, I have 14 days to get back to you. Yep. We are now going to pre-review your plans mm-hmm. and your documents. And you're missing A, B, C, and D. So we didn't accept it. Right. And then the contractor goes, I've been doing this for three months and I still don't have a bloody permit. Right. You know, so there's been a few cases I've gone in with different cities and said, here's the exact details. You accepted this date. You let you allowed me to pay a fee, which means you accepted. Right. You've been 27 days. I expected something at 14. I followed up at 14. I didn't get a response. I expect a permit today. Right. And I've had cities say, "Here's your permit." Three different times now. Mm-hmm. You know. So, I know we we're diverging around a little bit of this, but there is a holdup in getting through the process of approvals and getting a permit. That does take a lot of time. Even though we have laws in place that say it has to be done in 14 working days, which is really, let's just say, three weeks, that process often takes three weeks to get some responses, some comments, some questions. Mm -hmm. It takes oftentimes a couple weeks for the architect, the contractor, the civil engineer, you know, whatever, the structural engineer to get those responses back. Mm -hmm. The city oftentimes looks at it of we still have, we now have 14 more days to get back to you. Mm -hmm. So that process has now gone Three weeks on the front end of the first responses, two weeks to get responses back, and then another three weeks to get those approvals back in a permit in place. So now we're up to, you know, six, eight, nine weeks to get a process to go through. And even then, it's very often you get this back and forth of the comments you submitted weren't good enough. Yeah. Submit them again. Right. And so you kind of just go into this cloud of saying this process can take three to six months. You know, so talk about a huge delay there. We're doing the right things to move it into place, but... That is a pain point. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've said we've got eight, 10 contracts. We can't accept a new one until twenty twenty four, and then three of those projects have pushed in the permit phase three, four, or five, six months, right. and now I have to take my downline and push that all out another three, four, five, six months. Jeez,
1: I'd imagine that this is it's a another pain point like we're talking about that you'd have to explain to your clients mm-hmm. as you before they even sign on about a line i would imagine you'd still have to have the conversation like hey here's some of the hiccups that could happen
0: there's not sitting. there's not a lot of regulations the wrong word there's not a lot of regulation in whose job is it to achieve a permit yeah a lot of the times the client starts with the architect you know or the contractor sometimes an interior designer and they start working through the process and when it comes to okay, architect is done with the plans, we've got your structural engineering, we're done, here you go. Who takes it over from there and submits it? And really, I look at the focus of my scope of work, that is building the house. My contract says once we have a permit, we've been given a permit, we will start construction within 14 days. So there's a gap between getting the plans done, getting all the right documentation to submit to the city, getting a permit and starting construction. Mm. So I oftentimes look at that as like a pre-con contract with the client okay. saying, we will help you through pre-construction, but that's not typical of the contractor to manage all of that. Right. And an architect may finish a set of plans with structural engineering, and he says, well, that's my scope of work. But that didn't include the civil engineering, the geotechnical engineering, the mechanical engineering, mm. the res check reports, all the information that you still need to submit. Oftentimes approval from an HOA, your color selections, Sometimes an interior designer is helping there, but it doesn't get all that documentation together and submit it to the city. You know, So it is. That can be a, a major pinpoint that if you don't explain to a client early on, I look at it and say, if we're talking the big picture, yeah. I'm oftentimes working with my clients from two years to four years on the entire project. Right. Architectural design, permits, and then construction. Okay. So, all yeah, right, one that constantly pops up. We're working through it. But still a pain point of today's industry. Another one that I've kind of jumped into my mind here is as we've been talking through is the compounded effects of other contractors, right? Uh, what do you mean? Most of us are hiring, you know, or buying supplies from gotcha. one of, let's say, 10 lumber yards. We're hiring, you know, one of maybe 150 stucco crews, and they're buying their supplies from the same five suppliers here in town. I often get the comment from a subcontractor or a supplier of sorry, I've got to finish this job before I come to your job. Right? So I may have somebody scheduled for a Monday. They got behind on their job that they're currently on from another contractor that's pushing them up through Wednesday, the following week, they've got to push me to Thursday. And I find myself oftentimes going in front of a client saying, well, we have the stucco crew, uh, you know, let's say scheduled for Monday. But they've got to push us to Thursday because they've got to wrap up the job they're on. And most likely, that was a compounded effect from the job previous to that or the job previous to that or the job they're on and not having good contracts in place, scopes of work, or expectations to get their job complete that now it's affecting my job. And my client says, well, why is that job more important than my job? And to me, that job isn't more important than their job. Absolutely right. To the subcontractor, it's just as important as their job. Right. There is a lot of effect of the compound of things that I cannot control, other jobs, other contractors, that spiral into a position of me saying, it's out of my control and there's nothing I can do about it. I can't go drive over to the job and demand that that subcontractor gets off that job, leaves that job halfway through, and gets over to my job. And it's it's hard. I try to run a tight ship, and I think once it comes into my control the way i i manage the subcontractor their schedule their scope of work their contract works really well once it's in my control but i can't control what happens on all the other jobs that pop up right you know
1: that they're involved
0: in yeah and that's that's all over the place and, and you can't even blame the subcontractor you know it may be the material they ordered showed up 3 weeks late they can't get it they've got 90% of the material they need but 10% isn't there. Right. They had an issue with shipping and logistics, right? So you start to see that ball just gain that momentum we talked about earlier of just those issues compiling down the road, right. you know, that ultimately turns into longer job site, you know, longer job construction, mm-hmm. more expensive cost to a client, you know? So the nuts and bolts is this is taking us longer and costing more money. Costing it more sucks. Money. That's hard. Right. So the last one I wanted to touch on, you know, or maybe the last one I will touch on is where we could go, like I said, all day on this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is All of this, it doesn't matter what I do in my doors of Breen Homes, all of this can start to compound to a lack of control for me. So I can come in and talk what we do for process, what expectations we put in place, what we put in our contract, the contracts we sign with the subcontractors with their scope of work, what we're ordering up front. I can control all of that. But what I can't control is all these outside influences that hit us and cause us to lose schedule time cost more money, and ultimately falls down to saying, it's hard for me to budget a project. Right. So now, let's go all the way back to the sales process, my experience with my client. And early on, I say, how do we win the job? Mm-hmm. We elude that confidence, we set those expectations, and we get a budget that's workable. Well, I'm oftentimes creating a budget a year before we buy a product. And I'm seeing cost increases on a weekly, monthly basis of everything in my industry, so how, do, how in the world do I go into a job with a client and say, we're going to budget for today.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We're going to put a contingency of 5%, 10%, whatever it is on your job, that there's a chance we'll spend it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the bank saying, sorry, client, we can only lend you X. You're only approved for Y or Z, whatever it is. Right. It's really, really, really hard. I would dang near say impossible to budget for a client right now.
1: Yeah, I bet.
0: So then what? I sit in front of a client and say, Hire me because you like me, you trust me. And really, that's where I'm sitting with clients right now saying, listen, we are all contractors in general, custom home builders in Utah are all going through a lot of these same pains that I can't guarantee you right now that your lumber is going to cost X on your job or your windows or your plumbing supplies, whatever it is. We all know all of those are going up with inflation. But what I can allude to you is trusting me. That I will give you the best information I can. And we will do the best job we can to control those. Right. Right. You know, so early on, let's say it may cost a little more now. Let's say we might have some decrease in price. We've seen lumber go up and down and up and down.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But early on, if I can control the cost right now, plumbing fixtures, let's order them. We know what it is. If it goes down, well, crap. We spent a little bit more, but we knew what we were gonna spend. Right. So going back to the earlier conversation to the bank, I say, let me order windows, plumbing fixtures, light fixtures, you know, lumber if possible. Let me order all of that now.
1: Right.
0: Let me store it because I know what those costs are gonna be. Right. And then I can try to control your budget a little bit better. Yeah. You know, but the reality is I sit down and have a budget meeting with a client and I go, I kind of don't know. Yeah. I can tell you today, but that's gonna change tomorrow guaranteed Mm -hmm. so that's really hard to sit here where i've you know we've learned i'm a spreadsheet guy to understand and live and breathe and die by the numbers i'm currently in an environment that i can't really do that and it just pains me every day Mm -hmm. to be putting together bids for a client and then seeing our costs come in and go sorry it's increased sorry it's increased we're doing what we can right you know the good news is to all of it you know maybe to get some to some wrap-up points our clients right now and i would say the general public that are building homes have had so much news and media come across of inflation growth in the market economy is going crazy real estate prices are insane cost of lumber's up they see all of this that they they kind of already come in knowing that that's an issue in my industry mm-hmm. so my clients are incredible right now in understanding cost increases reason for contingencies built into budgets right. reason for biweekly or weekly or bi-monthly discussions of what's going on paying more attention to the bids that we put across their desk when we say we've bid out four cabinet companies and here's the best one client they're paying attention to that more yeah but they're being involved they understand and it's making for in my opinion really really good client relationships mm-hmm. and honestly still fun jobs you know, which makes my job enjoyable. Absolutely. Truly. Absolutely. So. These
1: are all deep, man. They all make sense. And we want
0: to go on for another four hours, and then we can keep going. We totally could.
1: <laughs> we totally could. I mean, I'm sitting here writing down all these questions. But it's all good at the same time because we can come back and talk about them another date and time. Yeah, for sure.
0: Fire away. Give me, give me a couple questions. We've got five minutes.
1: So, one question. So, as far as supply chain. Contractor, you have a job, you're ready to go, you know exactly what you need, you've talked to the supplier, your framer. They give you a price as of right now, what it would be. Delay happens, you're, let's say you're three months delayed on a project, a start on a project. You now have occurred a specific price, uh, an increase in price for your lumber, for your framer. The framer tells you it's gonna be an extra 30 grand or so. You then have to go back to your client and say, hey, we've actually increased on the lumber package. Give me your thoughts and help me understand the process of, okay, your client's gonna have to go either fork up that money or they're gonna have to go back to their lender and say, hey, this is what's going on. We need X amount of money. Just give me some feedback on that a little bit.
0: So most lenders, unless you have a contingency in place in the budget, are not going to usually expand to say, yes, we will give you more. Right. 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 So, yeah, that's a direct punch on the homeowner's pocket. Mm -hmm. That's hard. We approach it through Breen Homes earlier on when we start putting together a budget, we have a line item that is just contingency. And we always explain to our clients upfront that the contingency is not a flex spending a pot for them to upgrade their appliances. Mm. The contingency is built in for variations in job site costs and control. Okay. We always also do say we won't spend out of that contingency unless we discuss it with you first. So it gives us the ability to say, listen, we and the bank likes to see it have a budget of five or 10%. To deal with some of these variances that we can't control right now, okay. most of my clients do say, "Okay, it's padding the budget. Just take it out." I want to know, or I want to believe, where I know we're going to be at. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of our clients, we take that ten percent on a you know two million dollar contract and delete two hundred thousand dollars, and that takes their bottom line dollar down. Mm-hmm. They go, "Cool, we're now in budget." Right. It gives us the ability to come back to that and say, "Remember our contingency discussion." We now need to have that discussion of where that money is going to come from. To that point, we try to have it up front when we can, but we don't catch everything. So as we're submitting draws to the client every two weeks, we also submit a summary of accountant that says, here's what our original budget's at. Here's what changes have happened. Here's what additions you've created. Here's what variations we've had within the job. So there's four columns that follow along in there that for me, every two weeks, it goes out and says... Here's your bottom line cost. And whether it's increased or decreased, here's what you're spending so that you know where you're spending. Got it. Got it. So we try to answer that. I don't think everyone has a similar process. Right. You know, but we try to control that where we can. Now, we also try to control that where we can by saying, okay, if our framer just told us we're going to increase the lumber package, we go back to the supplier and say, what's increased? Right. Dimensional lumber, plywood, TJI's LVLs, glue lamb beans. What's increased? You want the details. What is it going to look like in the next 30, 60, 90 days? Mm-hmm. Is it smarter for us to wait and not order those now? Is it smarter for us to order the whole package now? Cause we're going to see more increases mm-hmm. or do we order bits of the package now because it may come back down. So we are kind of trying to take that glass globe and say, let's look into it and see what we can do. And let's try to control that process along the way as well.
1: Okay. Good answer. So another question that I have written down on the supply chain side. I have heard rumors, I haven't confirmed any of them, but I've heard that some of the larger construction suppliers in the area, or I guess you could say any of them in general, they're so restrained on the products that they can get in at any given date and time that they've almost allocated certain amounts for specific contractors. So those, the way I look at it is, man, you got a custom home builder that maybe builds five to 10 homes a year, but absolutely loves their salesperson with this supply chain or this construction material supplier, but they just don't make that list to get that supply. So now they either they're stuck between okay, I got to wait and just see and hope and pray that this I can get some of these products from my guy, I guess mm-hmm. you can say, or now I got to start shopping around. Yeah, which I could see that open up a whole different realm of issues at the same time.
0: 100% and that's been going on for about 2 years now, yeah. believe it or not. I've had multiple friends in the industry Call me and say I didn't have an account with Builders First Source, right. you know Sunrock, Burton Lumber. They won't let me order anything. Right. Can I put it on your account? Mm-hmm. And I go, I had a meeting with my current supplier, and you know at the beginning of the year and said we expect to spend. You know last year we spent two million dollars with our lumber supplier. Yeah. They say do you expect to spend about the same because we need to allocate that. Not that we want to know how much you're going to spend. Mm-hmm. We need to allocate that same amount of lumber. You know, and I said, let's increase it by 10%. Again, going back to I know we're up 30%, but we're down 20% Absolutely. based off slippage. Let's increase it by 10%, but kind of put a hold on it for me. I can't go away and give that away to people that don't have accounts that are asking me for a favor. Yeah, for right. So I'm in that same position. But yeah, that has caused a major pinpoint on the relationships you have and who you work with. Yeah. I've also had issues where my supplier couldn't get me something and i went to another supplier and they said sorry you don't have an active account with us we won't sell it to you right and i go hold on don't you want to win my business right that's the american dream man win my business i put 2 million dollars through my supplier last year right. and they go no you don't have an active account with us we can't do it you know so yeah i mean there is a huge restraint of uh, just that airway being choked mm-hmm. you know by trying to keep those relationships that are existing and, you know, we get homeowners, we get friends in the industry calling and saying, can I put it on your account? And a lot of the times I say, I can't right? because I need it for me. Yeah. You know, so that is, that's a major problem. Hope to see it change. You know, I don't know. I, I can say we do a lot of Anderson windows. They went from, you know, a 36-week order lead time down to about a 12-week, which is relatively average lead time on their windows. Mm-hmm. A lot of that was claimed to have issues with the resin, the epoxy color they put in their composite window. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I'm somebody that asks a lot of questions. So when when supply chains first started to get hit, I kept saying, "Why? Just right. tell me why. I want to understand this." And man, I, at first, I heard, you know, it was the Suez Canal issue, and then it was the the ice storms down in Texas, and it was, you know, Suez Canal was you know, mountain bikes at the time. And mm-hmm. cause I was looking at getting a new mountain bike. And then as the, the ice storms hit down in Texas, it was epoxy and resins because of the big factories they have down there. And it just like became this huge thing of, it doesn't matter anymore. It's just inflation. No one can keep up. I heard the other day that, you know, COVID is kind of taking another wave through the China area right now because they've opened a backup of stuff or whatever. I don't know, but that's going to cause an issue with supply chain of materials you know for us computer chips bits and pieces of appliances you also hear the Russian Ukraine war going on and that you know Russia controlled what is it like 20 or 30 percent of the fertilizer that gets shipped out Mm. you know so farmers are going to be down and getting fertilizer this year which affects our growth in crops which ultimately comes back to the produce and food that we eat, yeah. you know, so you, you just kind of tend to go, I didn't realize how reliable on the world we are. No, absolutely right. But we are. We are. You know, so, much. I mean, not to expand into more topic there, but, yeah, it, it is wild when you get told we can't take in more business. Yeah. You know, we can't provide more supplies to you.
1: And I don't, I'm wondering if we might be able to get somebody that's higher up on the food chain, at one of those suppliers and maybe not mention names or however it needs to work out but when i first heard that i was like that makes absolutely no sense yeah just as a consumer yeah there's got to be something that's higher up that is okay here's what we're trying to prevent and here's what we're trying to I guess you can say secure at the same time.
0: I heard, I I talked to a friend who's high up in a uh, supply company about two years ago, who is not currently who we order some of our supplies through. And I went back and said, can you get me X, Y, and Z? And he just said, no, I can't. And I said, man, even with all the friendship, the relationship, all the work we've done together, he said, no, you've never, you don't have an active account with us. You haven't bought anything from us in the past year. Sorry, we can't. And I just said, can you give me an idea on, a lot of their supplies is lumber. I said, can you give me an idea on what's going on with lumber? This was two years ago. He said, part of it was the forest fires we had in Canada the year prior. Part of it is COVID going through the mills and slowing the employees down. Part of it is just inflation and how much construction is going on and what's going out. And he said, but I've asked all those same questions. I've visited a lot of our manufacturers, the people, the lumber yards that are actually making the lumber. And he goes, I got to be honest. I think a lot of it is just greed because yeah. I, th- I think it's interpolitics. Yeah. I think it's money. I believe it comes down to they are putting more money in their pockets because yeah. I, I honestly, he said, I, if I go to a lumber yard and say three years ago, what did a sheet of plywood cost to make? And today, what does that cost to make? He's like, it wasn't up more than a few dollars. Mm-hmm. So why in the world did it go from? for us to buy a sheet of plywood to, you know, mid last year, $95, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of people that touch that piece of plywood as it comes through. Right. 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 But a lot of people are making a lot more money off that, you know, so it'd be interesting to get somebody like him on, you know, and say, do you know, but I'm afraid they might say, have any clue? Yeah. You know?
1: And I, I don't know, you, you mentioned you mentioned before uh, uh, the construction industry is just it's archaic to some extent it's archaic and i see that a lot and it, it it kind of just blows my mind especially on the supply side that there isn't a better solution for that problem it, yeah. it seems like it was more of a hey we're trying to slow the bleed here as much as we can so we know we're going to lose some folks but what's going to happen when that supply comes back around mm-hmm everybody's fat and happy and can actually, you know, supply those products and they've lost 15 of the top accounts yeah. or even a certain percentage. What's the plan for that?
0: Yeah. What, what happens when it turns? Exactly. You know, and exactly. I've, I've literally said there's been some subcontractors we've dealt with that the relationship didn't end so well that yeah. I said, when it turns, I can't wait for that phone I can't, call. can't wait for Man, it. you talk right. about abrasive. I can be abrasive. I cannot wait for that phone call, exactly. you know? And exactly. I, I just, part of me, and I shouldn't feel that way because I, I want to care and love more, but mm-hmm. part of me is just like, I, I will sit there and just laugh. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? Right. I can't wait to see that name show up on my phone again. Exactly. Um, you know, but yeah, I, I do look at that big picture and I say for a lot of years when I was younger in the industry, I was so curious in like, what other products are we coming up with? You know, why can't we use recycled plastic to yeah. make sheets of plywood to yeah. create sheer strength on a house? You know, for a long time, you've heard a lot of, like, 3D printing with cement. Mm-hmm. You know, there's literally machines that you can put on a job site, and it's no man labor. It's all machines and robots that 3D prints a house. Right. Why haven't we gotten more into that technology and that recycle? type program and why haven't we got the money behind it to push to get more of that product out there and i i don't know i mean again 10 years ago i was younger had more energy you know got more curious maybe it was a little bit more wild to chase some of those dreams i hate to say i've let go of that i think i've realized that it's not as easy as coming up with a great idea and getting money to support it yeah but i can say you know on i've been on some pretty extravagant fishing trips And I go run the beaches of these remote areas and they are filled with, you know, 60 feet deep, four feet tall of garbage, plastic bottles, you know, plastic shoes, Mm -hmm. toys, Mm -hmm. just scattered. And I go, how in the world have we not come up with a better solution to recycle that? Throw it in the wall of a home, whether it be insulation or a sheer strength of a plywood, find a way to engineer it. And turn that into a home that's going to sit there for 100 years, that works a lot better than let it sit on the ocean for a 1,000 years.
1: Absolutely.
0: You know, so I don't know. There is a lot of technology out there trying to get there. I just don't know if it's, you know, for lack of better words, turning the cruise ship to bring some of these new products in. Mm-hmm. Or if just no one's come up with that type of product. But, hey, we've all heard, you know, let's let's turn shipping containers into houses. Right. You know, let's reuse plastic and recycle. And we just... I don't know. We just haven't found – I would assume we haven't found the right use of those products yet to recycle them. I would love to see it because it could be the breakthrough that changes my industry.
1: Absolutely could. And
0: suddenly changes a lot of these current pain points for today. Absolutely could. All right,
1: man. Well, we are going to uh, let you go. Awesome. Here. Thanks for the
0: podcast today. That was a fun one. That was a fun one. A little one. more serious. You know? <laughs> I kind of like goofing
1: off. But I like some serious ones every now and then. Oh, no, man. You got to have the serious ones because – I. <laughs> You guys see this list of other podcast topics that we're going to be
0: going through. We're going to have to start recording on a daily basis.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Well, we appreciate you, man. Thank you very much. Thanks, brother.